said, uh, my name's Josh, and I'm the teaching pastor here, and we're starting a new teaching series on the big reveal, living hope in troubled times. And we've gone right to the back there for some reason. So, sorry, Jonah, could you just flick that up to the first slide again? So, um, yeah, the big reveal. <laughs> the big reveal is there's a computer behind the magic light show. And, it, and, and the Wizard of Oz back there has just been unmasked. Hey, I want you to imagine with me for a moment that you have an ancient scroll in your hands. And um, maybe, as you might expect with an ancient scroll, it, it, it looks old. Maybe it, it even looks a little um, delicate. Um, it, it's some sort of primitive paper. You, you turn it over in your hands and and you notice that there there's writing on the outside of it so in the days when they had scrolls before they had codexes and books they didn't have a title page you might expect to find some scrawling on the outside of the scroll and as you turn it and you see this scrawled writing on the outside of the scroll you see these words assuming they know, you know their words. Um, but anyway, maybe you've had enough Greek on your journey um, to, to make out the first three words of the inscription on this scroll. And these are they. They say, Apocalypsis Yesu Christu. I wonder what goes through your head when you hear that first word in particular, apocalypsis, apocalypsis. Maybe you've got visions of mushroom clouds and gas masks and needles and wastelands. I don't know. I don't know what's going on for you exactly. But I think the content of that word, regardless of what's coming to mind for you right now, is really important to us in this moment and I think it's important because I believe and I'm doing something a bit funky with Greek grammar here that we are in apocalypse now thinking of the first word on that scroll apocalypsis I really believe that we are in apocalypse now what do I mean by that well here's a novel idea let's actually look at what this word means in Greek because I don't know if there were nuclear bombs at the time that it was first used. And here is the word. You can look me up uh, in Google in real time if you want to, or you can do a little bit of an investigation during the week. In fact, I'd encourage you, look up where you can find this, this word in the Bible. There's free tools on the internet. Apocalypsis. But it means this, revelation something that is made fully known, a full disclosure. It's a little bit like the root word for this word in Greek is calypto, and it means something that is covered or hidden. It's a bit like if you walked into the room and there was a, 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 a mass in the middle of the room with a sheet over it, and someone ripped it off. That's apocalypsis, but it's not in the context of the scroll that you've got in your hands. Just a revealing of a dinner table or a person hiding under there, it refers particularly to a revelation of God 
God's intent, God's knowledge. So the scroll that I'm talking to you, you've put two and two together is actually the book in your Bibles that we call Revelation. And this is what those first verses say. Some of these words written, it's imagined um, initially outside the scroll. So the apocalypsis from, of or about, the Greek's a little bit vague there and some people might say intentionally so. The apocalypsis of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw. That is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it because the time is near apocalypsis. It doesn't really need to have that. <laughs> I'm reading, so I'm doing something there and I? When, when I, when I kind of say apocalypsis that way, when I talk about mushroom clouds, it, it's not intrinsic to the word. It's not intrinsic to the word which just means... A revelation, and I believe honestly uh, that we are in a moment of apocalypse, and we can think about this in a number of ways. We're we're in a something's going on in history, isn't it? I mean, to some extent, it always is, but we got this feeling that maybe things are are ramping up. So it's useful to see whether this scroll this book might inform our understanding might reveal to us something about what's going on in history but it's also you would expect if this is a revelation of or from christ about jesus that it might speak also to the something that's going on in us in our hearts and minds because those things go together as far as they might seem apart what's happening politically what's happening in china what's happening in the united states there's things happening in the human heart. There's things happening in us. We might expect to have an increased revelation, apocalypsis, as we look into this scroll, into this book about these two things. But, you know, more importantly, I think even just from this, like it's like a summary on the outside of the scroll, the title, I think we should expect, most importantly, to have a revelation of Jesus it says, Apocalypsis, Jesus Christ. <clears throat> That's, for me, as a Christian, as I'm sure for many of you, that's the beginning and the end of it. Any revelation that we could have in this life about what the stock market's going to do or what you know foreign forces are going to do or who's behind viruses and vaccines and all that, any insight even that we might have into our own heart and what's going on our, in our own minds is somehow inferior in order to a revelation that we might have of Jesus Christ. There's plenty of verses in the Bible that speak to this, but I've just picked this one. Paul says in his letter to the church in Philippi, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ. If you're going to know anything, Christianity would tell you, you should know Christ. Another passage 
which I think plays into this because I think we rightly look to this weird book at the end of the Bible, this weird scroll, to tell us something about what happens at the end and after. We might consider the words of John where he says, Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, who you have sent. So the most important revelation we could ever come to is a revelation of Christ, we believe, as Christians and here in the church. And it is the very nature of eternal life. If eternal life is what we're looking forward to, and that's a significant part of the Christian hope, well, Jesus is it. He is the total of it. I am... ran this message by the very reverend uh, Dwayne Van Vuren uh, because uh, he might recognise some of what I'm about to do here as elements of basically an introduction to Christian worldview class. And if this stuff tickles your fancy, you can talk to him or Chris Magnuson about going a bit deeper. If you're like, if, if you're having a revelation as I talk about this, I hope you are, um, chat to them because this is a whiz through. But the whole of the Christian tradition, whether you're Catholic or Lutheran or Pentecostal, has an understanding, whether you've thought about this or not, that actually we can only know God by apocalypse. And the reason why that is a shared view amongst all Christians is because it's biblical. There are plenty of verses um, that do this and you will come across them if you do your little apocalypsis word search during the week online at Bible Hub or Bible Gateway but here's just one of them. In the first chapter of Ephesians Paul says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and apocalypsis so that you may know him better. Revelation We know God, the Christian tradition holds, the scripture teaches us by revelation. And that's the reason why, you know, if you're a believer in your hands, the scripture brings something of Christ to life, doesn't it? It it sings to your soul. It's a source of great wisdom and great encouragement. If you're not a believer, it's just a really confusing book an old book, you might question its relevance. Even as a Christian, sometimes it's a confusing book, (laughs) isn't it? And it's hard to know the relevance of some parts of it. But if you have this experience of coming to faith, it springs to life in you, doesn't it? Likewise, you know, when you're, if you're a person of faith, when when you're going for a hike somewhere beautiful, that says something to you about God. If you don't believe in God, uh, it's still beautiful <laughs> and it might tell you other important things but the difference we would say in Christianity in the Christian tradition is one person has had a revelation and the other person hasn't had a revelation and that's not a value judgment that's just saying that's how we understand that we know God because God reveals himself to us. Technically in many verses that talk about this we have an apocalypsis of God. So, as Christians, we think about this in two ways that are significant. One, we have a revelation of God through the person of Jesus Christ. And secondly, we have a revelation of God through the scripture. And obviously, those things go together. Um, Jesus, scripture tells us in many places, reveals God to us. So, again, here in John's Gospel, 
it says that Jesus answered, you, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you for such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. That is a fundamental belief amongst Christians to Christianity, that God is transcendent. And yet in his grace and mercy, we know him because he came imminently as a human being. If we want to know what God's like, Paul says in other places, look at Jesus and you'll have some insight. This mysterious, incomprehensible God is somehow brought into our world according to the Christian faith in a way that makes sense to us because he comes as a little person who grows up and becomes a man in this world, revealing his father to us. So, that's a, is there any Bible-believing Christians in the house? Has anyone heard that before? That makes sense. Jesus is what God looks like for us. Jesus reveals God to us. How, then, the next kind of move is, do we understand Jesus? Well, I want to put it to you, as I'd say, the majority Christian tradition puts it to us, that Scripture reveals Jesus to us. Most of us haven't had that strange privilege, frightening privilege that maybe Jesus' first disciples had of meeting him. And so we know him, or should, primarily through scripture. I was at a meeting recently with a bunch of leaders in our movement, and this might say something about my heart, but I think it also maybe said something about something a little you know, that needs that leaves some room to be desired in the culture, our movement maybe, but someone actually asked the question to a group of us, how do we know Jesus? And I was thinking about this stuff, so I said, well, we know him primarily through the Gospels, but we know him through all of Scripture because they all point to Jesus. And <laughs> something funny happened in that room. It got really awkward um, because I think even practising Christians sometimes, maybe particularly in our movement, aren't necessarily accustomed to thinking about the primary revelation that we have of Christ in the 21st century comes through Scripture. So the awkwardness of that moment was broken. I don't know if people are thinking this guy's a bit nerdy or takes himself a bit too seriously or why do you always have to talk about that boring stuffy old book or whatever. Someone said, well, I love listening to praise and worship in the car. And I was like, hey, man, that's awesome. You can, you can know Jesus more by listening to praise and worship in the car. And someone else said, oh, I really encountered Jesus at church. And I would say, yes, please, let's encounter Jesus at church. But the fact remains that the plumb line for Christians is always the witness of Scripture to the who Jesus was because there are some people who have heard Jesus say things to them like, you should really kill your neighbour's cat and bury it under the lemon tree in your garden. And how do we know that that person's not crazy? Well, we know because we've read Scripture and we think, you know, that really doesn't sound like something Jesus would tell you to do. <laughs> Isn't it true that there's all sorts of pictures of Jesus? But if we are Orthodox Christians, we have to start with Scripture. So Scripture reveals Jesus to us. I'm hearing people who know what they believe. That's awesome. So we've got this little sort of pattern happening here. Scripture reveals Jesus and Jesus reveals God. We're following that equation so far? I mean, you don't have to agree with that uh, in terms of if, you, if you're not a Christian, that's fine, but that's kind of what Christians believe and I see people nodding their heads. Yeah, that sounds true to me. We see this pattern actually of revelation in the passage that I flashed up before, the very opening words of Revelation. So the inscription that's on the outside, the apocalypse from, of, about Jesus Christ, which God 
gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. Title. And then we go into these first verses. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything that he saw, that is, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. So there's a little summary that's in yellow at the top in the title, but it kind of gets worked through. He made it known by sending it to a to his servant John through a messenger who testifies to everything he saw, that is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. And then finally there's this section where it goes somewhere beyond that. So scripture revealing Jesus, Jesus revealing God or the other way you could do it, God reveals through Jesus, Jesus revealed through scripture of which John was an author. Um, Prominent expert on revelation sees this really clearly and he says the chain of communication in this passage is from god to jesus to the messenger an angel it's a bit mysterious we'll talk about that in a bit to john who is the author of scripture and then finally it breaks out into the community of god who receives this revelation god jesus scripture community so we then this chain would suggest, have an apocalypse. We have a revelation now. God is revealed to us um, in this way, uh, even according to this passage that we're looking at. But those of you who've been around the church for a little while might be getting a nagging kind of doubt right about now because you realise it's not that simple necessarily, is it? We can follow the purity of that line of revelation all the way up until, bang, we're the ones who've got to work it out. Because you might have someone in your family who's really into this stuff and, and they like have certain views about the millennium when it happens, they've been boring you with charts and stuff, that was teachers at my school. Um, maybe they think that, the nation of Israel is really important in the 21st century. Maybe they don't. Maybe they believe that John's revelation is mostly talking about events in the past or maybe they believe that John's revelation is mostly talking about events in the future. It all gets really confusing. Um, that's one of the reasons why this book's so scary because it's so <laughs> confusing because the revelation doesn't seem to be clear in our midst. And so I wanted to talk to you just very quickly about why that is and how we're going to handle that going forward. Because I believe that we do have revelation and we can work it out in our midst. It doesn't have to kind of just fall to ground and scatter out. A bunch of people have thought about this, you know, serious leaders in the church, thinkers over time. But I think the person who probably articulates it most clearly how we kind of get this revelation um, is a guy called John Wesley. You may have heard of him. And he says, revelation, apocalypse, happens in this way, through scripture, through tradition, through reason and experience. And for the visual folks here, here's a picture. Here's one way you could think about it. Interaction of scripture, tradition and experience, ringed in by reason. You might like this one because it kind of puts scripture at the top and so it sort of some people say this is like the stool of scripture with the legs of reason and here's another one that just puts them 
together. At the moment, you might be thinking, well, uh, is this getting into sort of heresy territory, that he's putting other things up there with Scripture? Let me lead you through this very quickly, because this is actually, this, this is like 101 stuff. When, when, whether you're a Lutheran, whether you're a Catholic, whether you're a Pentecostal, once you start to think seriously about what the Bible is, you've got to face up to this stuff. And actually, I'll, I'll sort of um, ruin the end of it. It's actually really encouraging news <laughs> when you think about, about it like this, because you probably have some nagging doubts in the basement of your mind. So you need to get out. And actually, they live. Scripture lives. So here's an analogy to help you think about it. Um, you are not a CD player, and the Bible is not a CD. And what I mean by that is a CD is a, is a compact disc, and on that is like a written a series of ones and zeros. You, you get that? That's basic data. And a CD player is a machine that is programmed to read those ones and zeros and transpose it into whatever the recording is, right? You get that? Pure data on the CD, music comes to life, whether it's a $2 you know, a uh, cheap store, dollar store um, player, or a thousand dollar hi-fi, there might be a little bit of difference in the quality of the music that comes out, but the same recording is going to come out regardless of which CD player you put that CD in. Well, scripture, and this may be an, a, a little bit challenging at first, scripture is not a CD for a whole heap of reasons. I don't I mean, this isn't an exhaustive list, but here's just some. It's written in different distant languages across different distant historical and cultural contexts. And actually, you know, uh, when we read the Greek of the Bible, even today, it's different to the Greek that people speak now. So we have to kind of make some educated guesses about some things that the Greek would say. That's just a fact. It's also the case that... Um, it is handed down to us. I use the word tradition, it might give us the creeps, but actually in Latin, traditio just means what's handed down. So whatever you believe about the Bible, some of it's coming from the page in black and white, but there's a good chance there's a fair dose of what's been handed down to you. Chuck Swindoll told me that this passage means this. Pastor Graham told me that this passage me me means this. Um, the Bible Project told me that this passage means this. There's something handed down to you, even to the extent, I don't know if you've thought about this, but it came as a shock to me at one stage in my life to realise the Bible didn't just descend, oh, in King James English, leather bound, into the world, right? There were a bunch of people across history who were like, well, which bits, there's a whole heap of writings, which bits go in, which bits seem to line up with the rest of, you know, which bits seem to make sense of the Gospels and which bits don't. A bunch of people decided, actually over centuries, maybe by the third century, they had it fairly, fairly locked down, beginning of the third century. But there was discussion, what makes it in? Even in the Reformation, Martin Luther said, I don't think James should be in the Bible, because he didn't like what it said. So there's a handing down of scripture itself, <laughs> let alone the interpretation of it. And then, um, you know, uh, we recognize that scripture is kind of translated too it's translated to english if you've got a good translation of the bible they've probably employed more people rather than less to give it to you because they recognize that expertise you know no one can know everything that is needed to know about the gospel of mark so they get a dozen or more people on it to translate it 
from Greek to English. That is something a little bit more complicated than just ones and zeros. Can we kind of share that? It's something a little bit more complicated than ones and zeros. I'm going to tell you it is a good thing, even if it's a little bit unnerving at, at the moment. The other thing is you're not a CD player. You have a particular tradition. Whatever it is, however, you might have been saved recently, you might have been brought up a Catholic, you might have been a Buddhist who became a Christian, and you're going to understand things in part from that particular experience and tradition. You also have unique experiences, even beyond being a Buddhist or a cradle Catholic or whatever. Stuff's happened to you that when you read scripture, some of it's going to punch you in the guts. <laughs> because of whatever you've been through. Some of it is just going to go straight over your head because you've got nothing to kind of hang it on. So there's something particular happening in you that means it's just not as simple as, you know, pure data, bang, into your brain, you will, you'll get the Bible. Something more complex and beautiful going on. And I think it's why we talk about Scripture as the living word, right? Because it wasn't just that God worked through the feather that the Apostle John was holding or that, you know, the, the, chis the, the chisel that Moses used. There you go. Just even think about that. Um, no. God, yeah, we believe as Christians that Scripture is inspired and he was in that moment, whatever that looked like. But God was also working through the Holy Spirit in the council that sat down and said, should we put James in? To the Bible. God was also working in the translation committee of um, Zeke's um, Amplified Bible, the Kevin Rudd translation, I call it. Um, <laughs> the Holy Spirit is alive and active in the community to preserve the word. We, we have to believe that, actually, because um, it's not just ones and zeros. If it's not just ones and zeros, if all of this stuff tradition, the handing down, experience, reason is a necessary part of engaging with scripture. Well, it's not just about what happens at the moment that the ink goes on the parchment. It's about what God's doing through history to preserve that special revelation that came through to the authors of scripture. Can you see how that could be encouraging news, <laughs> actually? In some ways, you're completely passive if you're a CD player. If the revelation of Scripture is just zeros and ones dropped into your brain. I mean, for one thing, it doesn't make sense because we disagree so much, right? Smart, holy, <laughs> spirit-filled people take opposing views on certain theological issues and matters of interpretation. That's actually a good thing <laughs> if it means that God continues to reveal himself. Apocalypse happens. <laughs> Apocalypse happens. Now, the seedy thing, it's an imperfect analogy. There only ever is imperfect analogies. Here's one that I like a little better, even if it is imperfect. I really like listening to Bach's Goldberg variations. Um, and I like listening to different players 
different cellists play the Goldberg variations, whether it's um, Igor Stravinsky or Yo-Yo Ma. There's just subtle differences that come to life through their expertise and the instrument that they're playing. The way they're reading the music very subtly can change, even though it's written on a page with a time signature. Imagine how complex in that regard an orchestra is. If you think about some of those really lush compositions, um, you know, of say the 19th, 18th, 17th century, where there's hundreds of players, all maybe experts or, very, you know, levels of expertise, under the guidance of a conductor who's reading it and interpreting it and, and sort of trying to get all of these individual players to play their vision together, the lived vision of that composition. I wonder if scripture's not a bit more like that. One reason why I like it as an analogy is because scripture doesn't stay up here, right? It's something that we do. The reason why we would continue to say, even after this complex process of revelation from God all the way through Christ to the scripture to us and our interpretation, the reason why it, it's largely stayed intact, I believe, is because it makes sense in the world. You wouldn't continue to do it if your faith didn't make sense as you lived it, right? As you played the music. And so my challenge to us as we come to this potentially divisive, frankly, difficult to interpret book full of dreams and visions and monsters and mysterious figures and mysterious numbers that could mean all sorts of things about Israel and the end of the world and coronavirus and what their next life's going to be like, is to, to be okay <laughs> with the fact that, yeah, we, there might be slight variances in how we're reading the music and how we're playing it, some of that will be down to us and our level of competency. But I believe the Holy Spirit is calling us to do what the people of God have done now for millennia, is to pick up an instrument and begin to learn the song. Right? And, and we start from that position with a level of humility, because I know that Zeke, even though he reads the Amplified Bible and it takes him ten times longer to read a, a verse than anyone else, God's doing stuff through him. He's got amazing capacity, skill. He brings something. When he plays the music that God has composed, man, he makes that thing soar. Likewise for Daisy, likewise for Cam, likewise for Chris, likewise for Leanne. It's a sobering thought, but a life-giving thought in some ways, you know, to think that in Sofia, in Bulgaria, there's people playing Mozart's Eighth this way. And in, you know, the New York, New York Philharmonic, there's people playing it this way. Here in Brisbane, there's people playing it this way. Similarly with Scripture, similarly particularly with this revelation that I believe God wants to do in us through this book. He's, he's going to get us to play a unique tune. It's going to add something <laughs> to how everyone else has played it through history in other parts of the world. It's going to be hard. <laughs> it's going to be stretching. We're going to learn. But Jesus is going to be life-giving because it's the very thing that we were created 
to do. I'm going to get Jonah to um, play uh, a piece of music for us uh, in, in a moment with um, some video and with the words up there, a bit like we did last week. And it's just a moment really to sit and um, you'll see how the words connect with where we've gone so far this morning. But I want you to feel that invitation of the Spirit to engage with His Word. I want you to open your heart and your mind to the possibility that fresh revelation could come to you. He may use the established revelation of Scripture, but He wants you to read it. (laughs) He wants you to, you might recall the passage, to hear it, to be blessed by it, to speak it. Be prepared to pick an instrument up in all this. Don't take for granted uh, that I'm going to get it all right. I need, I need you. I need you to bring your Bibles with your different translations and go, hey, what was going on there? You changed that. Why'd you do that? Um, hey, I looked up Apocalypsis. There's heaps of <laughs> weird uses of it in the New Testament. We need to do that together. That's the kind of church <laughs> that we are. That's our theology. We believe that God reveals himself not just to one person who gets to tell everyone else what God says, but to all of us. That (laughs) is good news, right? It's good news for me because I need to hear what God is telling you. I need to hear the music that God has composed, played through your life. Hey, thanks, Jonah. If you could play that for us, that would be great.